0: Well, great to be with you this morning, a bit chilly, but uh, we'll get the heating on next week. I think we need to look at the, the forecast beforehand. Um, today we're going to be looking at how to have a marriage, how to do marriage, God's way. Well, when you hear that, maybe it's polarizing your opinion. I'm in a modern marriage, David. I'm not interested in doing it the Apostle Paul's way. He's speaking to his culture. He's out of touch with 21st century London. Well, this may be helpful because marriage is um, it's not just a good idea. It's actually God's idea. So hopefully we're going to find some useful principles. Or maybe you're married and you want to do it God's way. And today is a little bit like an MOT, a refresher for your marriage. Maybe you're thinking, I'm single. I don't need to hear this. Well, it might help knowing how to pray for people who are married or to understand the different pressures that people in marriage face. Or maybe you're divorced or bereaved, and this is really painful territory. Or maybe you've hoped to get married, and it's never happened. But the lessons in this passage and the wider context I think apply to everyone. So I think we're gonna, it's going to be a valuable ex- experience for all of us. Churchill apparently likened marriage to a fortified city. He said those on the outside want to get in and those on the inside <laughs> want to get out. I mean, that's personally not my experience, but, um, but I think there's a ring of truth actually about it. Shall we look at Ephesians chapter 5 verse 21? And so on page 1177, other translations start verse 21 as a new sentence, but this translation, we're halfway through a sentence. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its saviour. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you... Love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, some pretty bold words in there. Would you speak to us, I pray. Help us understand them. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, right from the outset, as I alluded in the prayer, there's, there's an elephant in the room, and there's a word in that passage that was like a bombshell that just went off in the room. And it's the word submit. It says, wives, submit to your husbands. It's like a social grenade. And we, we I think, jar with the word submit. It speaks of, or can speak of subjugation, subjection. And we don't like things that whiff of that. How Victorian. We've moved on from that. Well, we're going to look at submission soon, but... For now, I just want to suggest that this whole passage, instructions for husbands as well as wives, is like a hard sweet. So, I used to go to the sweet shop and um, I'd get these things called pear drops or you can have Wood Originals. And when you eat one of those, you don't bite into it straight away. You have to suck it and you appreciate it as the, as the time goes by. It takes time to enjoy. It's not a simple, easily digestible truth. And I think what we're having in this passage is a little bit like one of those. This passage, as I said, uh, it talks about the context of, it's it's in the context of many relationships. So if you look down straight after, he talks about children and parents, their relationships. And then he talks about slaves and masters. So that could be employees and employers. That's the, the context. And and his, his principle, I think, is verse 21. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. All our relationships need to be done with an attitude of voluntary submission, of humility. Jesus himself modeled humble submission. And the first thing we see in this passage is that marriage is a picture of Jesus' relationship with his people. So did you notice, every time he talks about the husband and the wife, straight after he talks about Jesus and his people, the church. So look with me down at verse 23. First time. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body and is himself its savior. Second time, verse 24. Now as the church submits to Christ so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Second time. Third time, verse 25, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Fourth time, verse 27, so that Christ, or he, might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that he might be, she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives. So that's the fourth time. Fifth time, verse 28. In the same way, husbands should love their wives. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. Sixth time, verse 31. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. Six times... Paul says the relationship between a husband and his wife is, mirrors that of Jesus and the church. The Bible starts with a marriage right at the beginning, the first people, Adam and Eve, Genesis 2, and it ends with a marriage. The penultimate chapter, Revelation chapter 21, is the marriage of Jesus and his bride. As I said, it's, marriage is not simply a societal norm. It's not simply good for the fabric of society. It's God's idea. He created it, and history is heading towards the ultimate wedding, the marriage of God's son with his people. It's going to be amazing. And so, so when I look at a married couple, when you look at a married couple, they should be a visual aid. And we've got a couple just here holding their hands. It should be a visual aid of one of the most beautiful relationships between God and his people. A lavish, a love so lavish, extraordinary, and extravagant. So, when we see divorce, and it happens, we've experienced it in our family, we've seen friends going through it right now. Divorce is so painful because it breaks. That love, that it's supposed to be a picture of God's unbreaking, faithful love with his people. So a marriage is a picture of God's love for his people. And also notice from this passage that God's design for marriage is um, it's heterosexual. These instructions for marriage wouldn't actually work if it was a homosexual marriage. Because he's talking about the role for a husband... And the role for a wife. Now, if you have a relationship with two husbands, you couldn't actually put this into practice. Marriage is a picture of Jesus' relationship with his people. So what does each party have to do? It's a bit like Strictly, like a dance. We might have a picture of Strictly coming up. And this is my dad's analogy. And he says, when you do a dance well, you've got to focus on your own move. I need to focus on what I'm doing and my partner needs to focus on their move. If I focus on what they're getting wrong, what they need to do, it doesn't go well. If, they focus on my, if she focuses on my moves, we all fall in a heap on the floor. It's a disaster. And I think marriage is a little bit like that. We've got to focus on what we need to do and let the other party focus on what they need to do. So what do they need to do? Wives... Paul says, are to submit. Verse 22, look down with me. Wives, submit to your own husbands, as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body and is himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. What's Paul saying? Paul is saying that the husband has a God-given responsibility to lead the marriage. God is a God of order, not chaos. And so he puts order in the family. He puts order in the church. He puts order in society. So as a wife, you can voluntarily choose to submit to your husband. And in doing so, you're displaying something beautiful about God's order for marriage. Paul also says, in verse 24, he says, wives submit in everything to their husbands. He means in all realms, not in just the areas where it's easy to submit, but he's saying submit in every area. Now, that might sound like good news if you're a lazy, bossy husband, but... um, this vicar, John Stott, he was in the West End. He said, the wife's submission is to be given to a lover, not to an ogre. And it's not an excuse for the husband to be a couch potato or a misogynist or a chauvinist. Christians cannot and should not tolerate abusive relationships. So what does it look like for wives to submit? Well, I remember feeling, the Bible tells me I've got to lead my marriage. Some things I feel completely clueless about leading in. And I'm sure Olivia, my wife, was thinking, I've got to submit to that guy in everything? He's got no idea about, like, loads of things. And what we suddenly realized is we need to understand it in terms of CEO and COO. So this is my organizational chart. And if you have a company, you might have... You can ignore this stuff. That's like the chief financial officer and other people. At the top, they're important. But in this context, I'm talking about CEO and COO. CEO, chief executive officer, they run the business, the organization. The COO, the chief operations officer, they run like the nitty-gritty, often the day-to-day things and what what we understood was this analogy really helped us the chief the ceo sets the direction for the business and they do it in consultation with the coo they're always talking together sometimes the coo will know a lot a lot of things that the ceo's got no clue about and and they'll defer to the coo most of the time Decisions are made in conjunction with the CEO, the chief executive officer, and the operations officer. They're working together. But ultimately, the CEO is in charge. Ultimately, the CEO, COO has to defer to the CEO. And as soon as we realize, David, you're the CEO, you set the direction, Olivia's the COO, She's got a very important role to play. She's part of senior leadership. We're always liaising about things. But ultimately, some decisions she's got to submit to me on. And, but we're working together. So I, th- I found that analogy quite helpful for my, my marriage. Now, Ollie said, you've got to think through what are the dangers. Because what's Zoe going to think about some of these things? Okay, What's the danger? One danger is a COO who wants to usurp a CEO. We don't want relationships. A business doesn't work well where a COO is usurping the CEO. Second danger, a bossy CEO. We've all seen those. A bossy CEO who doesn't listen to a COO. That's disastrous, and it doesn't work well in in the company. Another danger is a weak CEO. Have you ever seen a weak husband who doesn't lead? That's a real danger. You don't want a business where the CEO is not leading. And so the CEO has, there's a vacuum of power there. Anyway, that's what I think the, I think is a biblical understanding of the roles. Wise, your challenge is to submit to husbands. Husbands, you've got a difficult one. You've got to love your wives. Look at verse 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. He's not talking ushi-gushi love. He's talking sacrificial love. If you're a husband, that's how you need to love your wife. Twelve years ago, I just got engaged, and I was at my growth group, and I was saying... To Don in my growth group about getting engaged, and Don told me about when his now son in law had asked for his daughter 's hand in marriage and don said i 'm going to summarize marriage in one word to you to a son in law to be and he said it 's sacrifice. your love needs to be marked by sacrifice for your wife. A love a husband have for his wife is to be marked by sacrifice." We're to reflect Jesus' love for his bride. Jesus sacrificed himself for his people. I met a chap called Gary Chapman who wrote this best-selling book. He was speaking to the clergy at the church I last worked at. And he, was, he wrote this book called uh, The Five Love Languages, sold millions of copies. And he said his marriage was completely transformed when he started to serve his wife. And he gave us three questions. You can put this up on the slide now. And husbands, you can get your phones out now. And you're allowed to take a photo of that. He said, when I started asking these three questions to my wife, it transformed my marriage. Because he was serving his wife. He was loving his wife. So first question, what can I do to help you? (laughs) Wives would love to hear you ask that question. Question number two, how can I make your life easier? Brilliant question. How can... I, there is a husband taking a photo. Very good. Or wise, you can take it and you can send it to your husband. <laughs> Number three, how can I be a better husband? Last week, um, the last couple of weeks, actually, Olivia's been ill. I came home one day. She was upstairs vomiting. Everything was coming out in the loo. And the following week, she got COVID. And one of the other kids tested positive. I, I was negative. But what I needed to do those two weeks, uh, I needed to drop everything to be there for her, to support her through it, to take up the slack with the kids. Because when you're ill, you're weak and you need to focus on your recovery. And I I didn't, I was really bad at just cutting my diary, cutting all the, the fluff in it to focus on Olivia, and supporting the family. I needed to love Olivia, and I, still, I need to love Olivia more than my work. I struggle with this, and I suspect many men in this room, we also struggle with that. Husbands, our job is to love our wives in a sacrificial way, a way that focuses on their best interests. The good news is that in Jesus, we have someone who's loved us, given himself for us, sanctified us, cleansed us, and presented us. When we look at a good marriage, we see a picture of how God loves us in Christ. Jesus' love was at his own expense. He went to the cross at huge personal cost, the cost of his own life. And through the cross, he cleanses us. All our shortfallings are like blemishes on a bride. When the husband chooses selfishness in the marriage, when the wife chooses passive-aggressive submission, and all sin is like that. And it's not just the stuff in our marriage, but the addictions, it's the self-promotion, the lying, the pride in our lives. It's all blemishes on the bride of Christ, his people. And a bride gets ready for her wedding day. She makes sure she's looking radiant. One of the privileges as a a priest is that you see woman radiantly coming up the aisle. But she has to do all that work. As Christ's bride, it says, he prepares us. Verse 26. He cleansed her by the washing of water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. She might be holy and without blemish. Being in a relationship with Christ gives us extraordinary intimacy with God. The Apostle Paul says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. That's them uniting, becoming one. This mystery is profound. And I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. Love is a beautiful gift. Sex is a beautiful gift. That's why 70% of the top 40 songs are about love. 40% of the top 40 songs are about sex. Paul says the intimacy of love and sex is a picture of the intimacy you can have with God. God wants you to know his embrace, his deep affection for you, his care for you. He wants you to know his closeness, how much he desires you. He wants you to know his tenderness, his warmth, that he is nothing but for you. Wow, you might be thinking, really, does God really feel this way about me? Paul says, this mystery is profound. I'm saying it refers to Christ and the church. God loves us. He knows the depths of our sin, our blemishes us. And that's why Jesus went to the cross for us, to cleanse us, to purify us. Jesus says the wedding is just the start. We've got the whole of eternity together. I'm committed to you for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish and nothing will separate us. Marriage is a picture of Jesus' relationship with his people. Shall we pray?